I'm introducing to you a film dealing with one of the most vital social problems of our time, housing. The land, the land, the ground on which we stand. Yeah, they, they treat us like animals. In fact, they treat animals better than they're treating yeah. us. Quit out of Chief out of them. The vast majority of us can't afford to buy us. Welcome to our Britain's Got Tenants podcast. My name's Sophie. And I'm Ben. And we run On The, the Button. Button. <laughs> and we're putting together a series of podcasts based on research we've done, all to do with um, the history of social housing and council housing um, for our show, Britain's Got Tenants, which is going to be performed in 2016. This is the first of four themes that we're going to be exploring. So um, the other ones we're looking at are protest, um, housing conditions and um, the architecture of, of social housing. And today we've got with us Che Walker. Hello. Hey, hi, hi. Che. Hey. Um, and Che is our writer and dramaturg on the project, and we're going to be talking to him later on um, in a bit more detail. Um, but we're just going to kind of dive right in there and talk about the theme for today, yeah. which is what is a housing crisis? It's a term that you hear bandied about a lot, yeah. housing crisis. And we wanted to start off by asking, I think, like, is it a useful term? Is it like, what does it describe? What kind of reality does it refer to? Uh, because so many people use it, and it gets used in a lot of different circumstances. So, you know, for someone who's trying to buy a house, it might mean something very different um, than for someone who is, like, at the lower end of the private rented right. sector who's... Like living in very poor conditions. So at the moment, there are 1.8 million households or 5 million people who are on the waiting list for council houses, which is massive, obviously, and that seems kind of indicative of um, the fact that there is some kind of housing crisis. But another thing that we kind of want to talk about, and it's kind of a, an important theme for us as a company, is this idea of what a home is and how a home is important to you and how it's a place that is secure and you need to feel secure and safe there. Um, and it kind of gives you a sense of, um, yeah, security. And, and that's going to kind of keep coming back to us, I think, throughout all of these podcasts and probably in the play, I think. Britain's Got Tenants, it's going to keep coming back to us, that theme of, of home. So, yeah. So when you when you came in this morning before we started recording... Yeah. Um, we like we started talking about um, where you were living, actually. like, And you, you were saying that you'd got this uh, council house. Yes, I'm incredibly lucky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm born and raised in council accommodation. Yeah. Uh, my mother is from Stepney Green, and my father was born in Dalston, um, although most of his family, a little bit posher, they live around uh, Richmond. Um, but they, when they graduated from drama school, they went to, they decided they wanted to live in Camden to get away from the East End, ironically enough, and um, ended up in South Camden, which is like the, the really crappy end of Camden. Uh, but they, I just, it's incredible what's going on at the moment. And I just realized how unbelievably lucky I am. Uh, they were given a council flat. Um, opposite them was a tenement, which was demolished and was replaced with three enormous tower blocks. And I think quite significantly, we were in a, um, a Georgian conversion, which I think makes a bit of a difference in terms of the architecture and what that does to your sense of space and your sense of home, if you like. Uh, and then I got my council flat when I was 17. 
And I managed to have, a, I was just saying this upstairs, I managed to have a, a really fantastic stroke of luck where I was moved, uh, my basement, I was in a basement flat and we got flooded and had terrible damp. And so they had to move me to an area called Gospel Oak, which is very calm and quiet. And I feel like um, I'm somehow straddling two worlds. This is kind of the, 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 that post-war movement to provide affordable housing to also try and um, nurture mixed communities. I think the idea was always that you'd have doctors living next door to dockers and that their children would play together. Uh, and that's all just been unraveled. And uh, I feel like I'm the sort of last vestige of it um, in the place where I am. It's a wonderful street, very quiet. I know almost all my neighbors. And uh, it just feels like a sort of very small oasis. And the idea that housing is a right, you have a right to a home, uh, seems to be somehow a radical idea where it used to be a kind of given. That's the other thing that's happening. One of my students recently was, um, <clears throat> she was moved out. I um, can't remember the exact circumstances. She had a single mum with two kids. And she was moved from the central Camden where she'd grown up way out to Enfield, yeah. And what, what they don't understand is that, you know, she knew her neighbours. She had a sister around the corner. She had a school around the corner. There was a kind of network around her that could help her raise her kids. If she was late back, you know, it's like, oh, look, could you pick up the kids? And all of that has been demolished. And mm. suddenly she's in there. She doesn't know it. She doesn't know anyone around there. Uh, and the stress levels go up, obviously. And mm. uh, it's just a shame. It's a real shame. Yeah, yeah. that's definitely something that we've seen in... Um, all of the interviews that we've done on, yeah, on estates definitely. that are under threat or mm. people that have been moved on, that is a major issue. Um, and yeah. uh, it's incredibly hard. Just before we move on to other stuff, I just wanted to go back to um, some of the stuff that we initially started talking about when, when I first started talking to you about this project. Yeah. It's um, talking about housing. And you, like in your personal life and your family, have mm. like this strong connection mm. to council housing. And it's it's enabled you to... Absolutely. To become who you are and yeah. to, to do what you want to do. Completely. But we were also talking about like the format of the show, and this is a show that's going to... Um, well, first of all, it's a, it's a show in kind of stories and songs and talking about history and talking about protests and protest songs. Yeah. And the idea is to take it around community spaces on or near housing estates. Mm. Um, I think that's one of the things that you were kind of interested that's in. That's definitely uh, interesting. As well. yeah. yeah. We were reading uh, the play by John McGrath, The Chief of the Stag and the Black Black Oil. Oh, I love when John we, McGrath. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, um, yeah, I just wanted to maybe get you to talk a little bit about, because he talks about popular theatre and yeah. what that is, yeah. and, and have a little think about what that can be yeah. today, what that can be now. Yeah, that's um, uh, interesting. I, I think that, uh, let's call them working class people, uh, are crying out for representation on stage and that's been removed. And when they are represented, it's almost always on a, a kind of middle-class terms or a, through a kind of prism of a middle-class imagination. So the usual dynamic in, a, in let's say, an established theatre would be you, you may well get a show on about guys living on an estate, whatever, but the dynamic that happens is the audience sit there and, and, and say, thank God... I'm not like these people here, you know, and there's a kind of pity thing. They go, oh, wow, that's really sad. And then they go home. And, and uh, I think the difference that you get 
full disclosure, I have a show on at Theatre Royal Stratford East. The difference you get with a Stratford audience is that they own that theatre. They really have a sense of ownership. They're local people. It's not a big deal for them to come. They're not intimidated by the space. And they come to, as everyone comes to the theatre, to see their humanity reflected at them. But they also, there's a sense of celebration. Yeah. Even if things are tough, even if you're presenting stuff that's tragic, yeah. it's still, there's a sense of celebration. There's a sense of inclusivity. And I think it's brilliant that you are thinking about getting out of theatres uh, and getting into some, uh, perhaps you want to call them found spaces and just yeah. doing it in halls. And I know that's what John was all about with 784. And that's, that's also part of my heritage because my father ran the Half Moon Theatre, which was in Allgate East originally, in a disused synagogue. And how's this for a fantasy? Uh, basically, they just took this synagogue over. Uh, it was a group of mostly Marxist, very scruffy actors and uh, wrote to the Arts Council and said, we're going to have a sort of socialist theatre company <laughs> in the heart of the East End. And uh, the Arts Council sent them a cheque and said, go get, go get it done. Yeah. You know, and it ran for many years. They moved to um, Whitechapel Road, just at Stepney Green, which is where my, my nan and my uh, grandfather lived. Uh, and, uh, and then, of course, they closed with the, the Thatcherite uh, thing. Because yeah. also what's happening now, I'm now getting a bit old and... Um, this stuff just goes in cycles. There's this kind of swinging cuts, which are just awful. Everything collapses and everyone goes, oh, they've gone a bit too far. And then they start slowly investing in young people and old people and arts, and particularly arts for disenfranchised, marginalized communities. Uh, and then it swings back the other way. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things we wanted to talk about today um, is the, the idea that at various points in the, the history of big cities in the UK and London in particular, there have always been like housing crises and people have always been kind of um, trying to find a way to, to solve them or like kind of running, you know, and, and you get these great protests and these great figures yeah. who, who, like, who rise to this challenge mm. um, to try and uh, provide better conditions for people and yeah. like, improve the lives um, of, uh, of people who are in, in the worst conditions. Yeah. So one of the earliest places that we've, we started looking at was the Old Nickel Slum. We often come back to the Old Nickel Slum because it was turned into the first council, council estate. Right. It became yeah. the boundary estate. So for us, for our Do you know when this was? This is, uh, so the, the, the slum is at the end of the 19th century. Yeah. And then over a course of about 10 years from 1890 to 1900, the newly formed London County, County Council yeah. uh, raised the slum and transform it into what is now the Boundary Estate. Right. And in fact, the, there's a bandstand in the middle of the Boundary Estate, which is made out of the rubble of the old slum. Wow. Um, and it's a, it's a beautiful estate. It's a greatly listed building. Um, and it's, it's still doing very well. Yeah. Um, there are still some council-owned um, property. Is, yeah, yeah. It's not just... Right, so, yeah, right. so it's a mix now. Yeah. It's a mix, but yeah. And, and yeah, it'll probably stand for another hundred years because it's yeah. like solid. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's beautiful and light and bright and um, kind of tree-lined um, avenues that are coming yeah. off from the central bandstand area. Fantastic. It's really nice. Yeah. Um, and but we often come back to the old nickel um, slum and the change that, that occurred there mm -hmm. um, with the newly formed London County Council. Obviously, a lot of our research has been based in London, 
But I think it's really important to keep remembering that the housing crisis is not always just London-based. At the moment, the housing crisis is certainly UK-wide. Yeah. Um, and the crisis that happened at the turn of the 19th century with all of the, the slums yeah. that were kind of coming out of Victorian England, that's certainly not just happening in London. That's happening in bigger cities yeah. elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And we were kind of thinking about how we got there and yeah. how people at that point kind of why was there a crisis and why were there some houses, particularly in cities? Mm -hmm. And of course, it comes back to the Industrial Revolution and mm -hmm. this mass exodus from the countryside to the cities mm -hmm. um, and how that played a big part in overcrowding and, and slum conditions. So, mm. you know, very poor housing yeah. um, because there were so many people who just suddenly went from the countryside right. into the city. Looking for work. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we've actually got Robin Gray, who we talked to in one of our, in one of our other um, podcasts that's to do with protest. Yeah. Um, and he's just here talking about that movement from the countryside into, into the cities and, and what that, what that did. Yeah. And it was, I mean, the biggest migration this island's ever seen around a third of the, um, the, the population of, of the country moved from rural areas into towns and cities in a sort of 40-year period at the end of the 1700s and early 1800s, which, I mean, that's just such a staggering amount of people that we really can't begin to get our heads around. Yeah, so the crisis in the 19th century is really a crisis of conditions, people being forced into these slums and, and like terrible, terrible conditions mm. developing. Mm. There's a book that, uh, that we read called The Blackest Streets, uh, which is by Sarah Wiseman, which describes this Old Nickel slum. Yeah, there are just some, some descriptions of places uh, in the Old Nickel that she gives. Um, so, do you, yeah, do you want to read one of them? The walls are running with damp, and the meagre fire burning in the grate has drawn some of the moisture out of the plaster, creating a small fog. Many nickel rooms feature such indoor mists caused by the interaction of fires and damp and ill-swept chimneys. This is a home to a married couple and six children. This was a, like the thing in the old nickel slum. Like a lot of the people were living below ground mm. um, in these really insanitary conditions. Yeah. And this is one of the things that changed when they built the boundary estate is that it's almost the same number of people living in the same space. Mm. But because everything was like raised up and you didn't have most of the population li living in these kind of little basement areas which had tunnels going between them and stuff like it was, yeah. it was a crazy wow. like whole network of tunnels wow. under this slum yeah um yeah because like everyone got raised up and started receiving light you know life expectancy just jumped people started living longer healthier and yeah just people's lives um improved immeasurably but yeah that's that's really a crisis of poor conditions um, yeah. that we saw in uh, the late victorian times yeah yeah and then, then we move on to post-Second World War, right. so where there's another massive housing crisis. So many homes in the Blitz had been destroyed. Of course. Um, yeah. Say what, like, you know, a million homes in London alone. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's UK-wide. It's, it's not just London. It's throughout the whole, whole of the UK. Yeah. And added to that, there was a baby boom. And so there were, there, were not, there were just not enough houses, which meant that 40,000 people became squatters, basically, and took over army camps throughout the UK. And we actually talk about this um, in another podcast in a bit more detail, but it just kind of showed how desperate the situation was. Mm. Um, and then that kind of leads on to um, 
I guess, the 1960s. So there was still this um, problem of housing, even though um, we have, and we'll go into this a bit in a bit more detail um, later on, but we have, you know, the the Labour government after the first Second World War trying yeah. to kind of get new, more houses and homes for heroes and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But that still by the 1960s, there was still not enough housing and no. certainly, and it became part of the, I'd say the public, or was like social consciousness, yeah. I think, maybe partly to do with Kathy Come Home. Um, so my, Ken Loach's film. My mother's in that film. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> wow, okay. So yeah. we should, that's definitely, definitely a, one, a, a one to watch, audience. Um, who does, what does she, who does I she can't remember. She's a very small part. She was really young. She's about 23 in it, I think, yeah. 24. But, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so it tells the story, Kathy Come Home tells the story of a family who um, basically kind of spiral into poverty. Yeah. Um, and it starts, this partly starts with the fact that Kathy's hus- uh, partner loses his job and they're evicted from their home. Mm. And in response to this, and also because of homelessness and the growing amount of homelessness in the 1960s, yeah. late 1960s in the UK, um, and in London particularly, shelter was um, yes, kind yeah, of founded. Yeah. So suddenly there's a consciousness and there's a social consciousness yeah. that comes with um, housing, that comes with homelessness. Right. Um, and people wanting to kind of stand up and say, actually, we need to do something about this. Mm. So definitely, Kathy, come home very much. Yeah. One to watch. Yeah. Um, especially as your mum's in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Which kind of brings us up to now, although like we're going to kind of try and take a look at the, the past 30 or 40 years yeah. and how that's shaped what's going on now and the situation mm-hmm. that's going on now. So we were thinking about like what, what is a housing crisis now and we've talked a little bit about this. Um, yeah, one of, the, one of the things is this big change in government policy, which was right to buy. Right to buy, yeah. Um, yeah. Which has had a, a massive impact yeah. um, on it. And we, we're going to come on to that a little bit later, um, but just to like keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, and, but we spoke, like, I spoke to various people about what, what the housing crisis was, and I spoke to um, a guy called Christian's Grace, mm-hmm. who works for Network Housing, which is a housing association. Um, and he's a like analyst and kind of specialises in the, mm. the the causes of, of the housing crisis. Mm. And so one of the things to think about is just like numbers. So just like supply and demand, and yeah. and there not being enough houses. Yeah. And he just kind of sums that up quite nicely. I would say the housing crisis for me in an economic term is just the um, the continuous increase in rents rent prices as a result of a continuous increase in house prices, I guess, which is happening at such a rate that wages and benefits are no longer anywhere near covering it. Yeah, it's the disparity between supply and demand, and um, the demand is there, but the supply of, you know, the supply is so short that the prices are just way out of filter. so yeah, I mean, in short, the housing crisis is a shortage of housing in the right localities. Because obviously, on a national level, the, the, the homes are there. But so, so it is partly like a numbers game, yeah. um, and trying to to catch up with just like the sheer numbers of people. And you know, it comes back to what we're talking about with the industrial revolution, mm. when um, you know, thirty percent of the population moves into, and that's just like sheer numbers and trying to to deal with that. Um, 
but there's there's also like a philosophical question about who housing is for, right? And who is allowed to live in certain places, yeah? Um, and who like who has the right to, to yeah. have a home, yeah? So we have two. We've got two quotes um, of two very different ideologies. Um, <coughs> this is Anurin Bevan or Nye Bevan, who was the Welsh Labour Party politician who was Minister for Health in the post-war Attlee government. I am not prepared to associate myself with a policy where well-to-do people can afford to build luxury homes and poor people go without homes. And therefore, houses had to be built to rent and not to sell. Because it doesn't seem to have dawned upon some people in this country that the vast majority of us can't afford to buy out. Quite a different uh, approach to, to housing, which is... Um, well, Bevan's uh, successor as uh, housing minister, who's Macmillan. Um, right. And, and we've got a clip of him talking about housing, which is really interesting, the, the contrast between the two. £4,000 produces four of these houses, less than the cost of three of the former houses. Therefore, the question that we must ask is, for the expenditure of £4,000, would you prefer to house four families in these excellent approved houses or three families in a former type, in which case the fourth family will still be on the waiting list? Quicker to build, cheaper to rent. And those are fairly good recommendations for the 1952 and the 1953 vintage. And, yeah, we were talking a little bit about this, and it's interesting, like with Sophie, when we were watching these. The Macmillan one, it's, it's like a sales pitch. Mm-hmm. He's like, basically saying, you get three for the price of four. Yeah, yeah. Three mm-hmm. for the price of four. Yeah. That, that's, a, that's a great deal. That's the best <laughs> the deal you'll get this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's a real, real shift from, yeah. from Bevan, who's talking about, you know, ev- everyone is, is allowed it's, a home. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, yeah. and most people can't afford to buy a home, but they should still have, mm. you know, and if we build to homes live. to rent, they should, like... They should still have a home. Mm. It's, it's also quite interesting noting the differences between the types of buildings that Bevan's talking about and that Macmillan's talking about. Mm. So Bevan, um, bearing in mind he was he was kind of trying to deal with lack of supplies because of the war. So yeah. they were kind of trying, they're building on rations basically, which yeah. is really tough. So they were slow to build to begin with. Right. And that's why there were squatters, there were like 40,000 squatters who were waiting for homes, but who just basically said, right, we're taking it into our own hands, we're right. going to squat. So Bevan was talking about houses that were meant to be really good quality. So yeah. he had the gardens. They were, they were, they, he wanted, ideally, he wanted to have two toilets. He wanted one upstairs and he wanted one downstairs for various different, different reasons. And he yeah. said, um, the reason why we want to have this is because if, if rich upper class people can have this, why can't other people have it? Why can't right. working class people have more than one toilet? Right. Um, but Macmillan is talking about trying to house as many people as possible. And then we start going back to this numbers game idea. Um, so he 
he's just saying we need to just house as many people um, in as many ways as we possibly can. We'll just put them all in, into these houses. And so you don't, he totally got rid of the, for example, the two toilet ideas. He yeah. said, no, we just need one toilet and we just need to put these people into houses. And yeah. just, and that's, that's the plan. The way that Macmillan speaks is kind of starting to bring in these neoliberal kind of mm. think, ways of thinking yeah. and that you're not, you're not thinking about it as a home, yeah. as a secure place to live. You're talking about it in numbers. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, three for, yeah. for and, the price and, of and money. Yeah. Just like money. all he talks about in that it's clip the, is, is, the, is the cost. It's the profit. Yeah. Is the yeah, profit. Yeah, 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 it's just yeah. that, that is, you know, he's completely fixated on that. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because he's speaking at a time where the consumer society is starting to emerge. And obviously that's a logic that is starting to um, become right. much more widespread, I think. And, right, right. Um, yeah, so three for the price of four. Sounds like a good... It sounds like something you'd hear in good, the market. Good yeah. deal yeah. For, yeah. for the electorate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, and yeah, and then like we've got Paul Watt again saying it is partly to do with numbers, but it's not just to do with numbers. And yeah, here he is speaking about that again. I don't think it's sort of much a crisis of simply undersupply. That's the way that politically this sort of crisis is often spoken about. That really the problem is that we're not building enough homes. That's the sort of standard line. And yes, there is an element of... There's clearly a large element of truth in that. I'm not denying that. But the, I don't think that is the sort of the heart of the crisis. Because, you know, you can see it in the London skylines. You can see that properties, residential properties, they're going up all over the city. Not as if stuff's not being built. But the crisis is that the stuff that's going up is not homes in any way, shape or form that most ordinary Londoners can afford. It was interesting, actually, because you interviewed Paul, but then we also um, met him at a housing crisis conference that we went to that was held at Birkbeck. Yeah. People were talking about what is a housing crisis and... You know, it was there were academics there from from all over the all over the country and who really know a lot about this. And they were everyone was pretty quick to say it's not just it's not just to build, mm. um, because these things are being built. It's just not being built for the for the right people. Um, and that and you know that was kind of universal that everyone believed that. Yeah. But what is in the kind of public, I guess, kind of consciousness is that people think, well, there's just not enough being built. But right. that's just not true. Right. Um, especially in London. Right. Yeah, and it's it's something that we've uh, we've been really aware of because we we spoke to a, a lot of people as well who've been displaced by regeneration schemes, mm -hmm. um, often schemes that are building more housing, and this mm -hmm. is how the council is justifying it. Like, you know, there's a housing crisis. We need to build more housing. Yeah. And um, <laughs> it won't be. It might be a bit expensive for you, which is again the, like the thing that you know we've seen. The first council uh, estate it that happened. is built, yeah. and it happens again and again and again. Mm. And um, this it's is not just, for you. Yeah, the yeah whole it's, point it's is. not for you. And the, this real like division of of people who who are able to to have a house in a certain area and, and those who aren't, mm. which is becoming starker and starker. And this is just yeah, one of the people that we spoke to, a woman from an estate called Sweetsway in Barnet. Mm -hmm. uh, which over the past few months has been uh, decanted by uh, Barnet Council, right. which is what they call it when they move. Decanted, what De an elegant decanting, uh, phrase. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and they talk about... Um, like their wine. Yeah, like no, their fine yeah. wines. <laughs> um, they talk about 
uh, people as units as well. I mean, there's a, there's a whole language that kind of dehumanizes of course, yeah, uh, yeah. the people who live on estates. So yeah. you know, this is we're moving you to to a house for four units. Yeah. Four units, yeah. Uh, you um, mean my children? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, she just speaks about this. Well, for me, for me, because these houses are good houses. They are good homes. They're livable houses. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with them. So I don't see why they want to demolish demolish the, the estate and build luxury flats, probably for the rich people. Because when you go to the council, they tell you vanities for I mean, if you can't, I mean, vanities for rich people. Yeah, you can't have, yeah, if you can't afford it, you, I mean, go somewhere else. Which, I mean, is not, I'm, yeah, yeah. I've been here nearly, I've lived in Bannet nearly nine years, 2006. Yeah, so I've been working, paying my taxes, so I don't see why um, we wouldn't at least they wouldn't at least give us uh, at least a decent homes. That is all we ask for. Um, all all of these places that we've been to, um, people have just spoken about how this is an estate that works really well, and you get a huge amount of stigmatization uh, around uh, the idea of estates. Yeah, but yeah, all of these people have said, you know, we. We love, we like to live here. We've got, we feel safe. Uh, the children, like, children can play and you can feel see safe. The kids and playing. and yeah, you can, yeah. you know, and you can ask your neighbors to look after your kids. Yeah. It's, it's that kind of place yeah. Yeah. that works. Um, very low crime rates, yeah. um, good places to live. Yeah. And so, you know, why, why are you breaking up these, these places that work? And often on them, there, there, there is space to add little extra right. bits. Right. And that's what some of the people have been proposing. So in, in Knight's Walk, which is in Lambeth, they're calling it um, yimbyism, which is yes, in my backyard. Yes, in my backyard, okay. <laughs> As opposed to nimbyism. So, so they're saying yes, in my backyard, yeah. just not on top of my house. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Um, yeah. So, and, and a lot of these campaigns are taking this attitude, you know, saying we recognise the need to, to house more people, um, yeah. but there's, there's a better way of doing it yeah, than absolutely. just demolishing these places that work really well and splitting up these these groups of people that function really well together. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's interesting as well, we're just talking about the kind of language of council housing and social housing, and I certainly was a bit confused as to whether to call it council housing or social housing or mm -hmm. what's the difference between yeah. them. Um, and I think just just for the kind of... For the listener. For the listener, uh, and for me, because it's always very useful. And for um, me. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Jay, everyone apart from Ben. Um, it, Ben's just going to give a little uh, discussion about what council yeah, housing is. Yeah, just because yeah, we're, we're going to be, I mean, we've been using these terms a lot. So, so you get council housing, which we're talking about, the first council houses, the boundary estate, um, at the beginning of the 20th century. Yeah. So that's housing which is built by local authorities. It's also known as corporation housing. Then we've got housing associations, which um, are were often set up as charitable uh, bodies, mm -hmm. often by philanthropists. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the big ones that exist now uh, were set up in the 19th century. So this Peabody. Yeah, Peabody, so, right. Guinness Think Trust. Peabody, right. Guinness Trust. Yeah. Yeah. And those yeah. are good homes. Those are really yeah. well built. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. solid. Well maintained, well looked yeah. after. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, nicely designed. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And I think why there's been a shift from talking about um, council housing to social housing is because in the 80s and 90s, there's um, a shift of who, who provides this type of housing. Right. Um, 
what were called stock transfers. So um, beginning with um, the Conservatives in the 80s and then through the 90s and in a big way under New Labour, the management um, of and ownership of uh, council housing was transferred to housing associations. Mm-hmm. For, for Tony Blair, this was like the third way mm. between the market yeah. and... Um, the, the state. Yeah. So actually, like housing associations are really big, big providers of social housing at the moment. So, just bringing it back to the kind of present day housing crisis. Yeah. Um, and we did talk a bit about this earlier, but right to buy being a really big yeah. policy, yeah. Um, kind of game changer, basically. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, and I I think I can safely say that it definitely affects where we are today. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so as we said, we had 1980, we had the Housing Act, the first act that Margaret Thatcher actually passed, so mm. it was a really big deal. Yeah. And the stocks were sold, and that money was not reinvested in back right. into more council housing. No. It just went back into the, the purse of the Treasury. But we've got um, Mark Francis here, who we're going to hear from in a second. Mark Francis is a councillor for Tower Hamlets, mm-hmm. and he just kind of talks about the right to buy kind of fairly succinctly in relation to now. Right. At the same time you've got three years you've had um, the right to buy essentially now half of what was council housing is now in private hands in the homes in the hands of either the tenants who become leaseholders or freeholders or um, uh, now is owned by private and rented out privately quite often back to the council. It's been sold by the council so it becomes private and then it's rented Back, back to, to the council, <laughs> yeah. which yeah. seems nuts. It's, it's crazy, <laughs> bonkers. Um, yeah, which you, I think, were you guys talking about that earlier? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, It but, seemed like some science yeah. fiction, but yeah, apparently it's true. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, the the thing that we were talking about, like that, yeah, I wanted to move on to was um, coming back to housing associations, and so the Conservatives at the last election made this promise yeah. to bring back right to buy. For housing associations. For housing associations, yeah. which is strange because housing associations, they're not part of the state. Yeah. So yeah. It's, there's a big question about like how the government is going to force them yeah. or compel them to, to sell these, these places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the idea is to apply um, the, yeah, the same scheme so that people who have lived in a housing association uh, flat or home for long enough mm. will be able to buy it mm. at a discount. Mm. And... The way this discount is going to work, so <clears throat> the place the money is coming from, is from selling off more council housing. Uh, and there's, there was an article uh, in the, the Guardian this morning about, um, so Shelter has just reported that 113,000 council houses will have to be sold off in order to subsidise the selling off of housing association homes Okay. Um, it doesn't make any sense at all. It it doesn't seem to make any sense at no. all. And this is like, this is a policy that like, the Telegraph came out against, and the Times, right. you know, when it was announced by the Conservatives. There's Christian uh, again, who works for a housing association, who's speaking about it, and he says some kind of interesting things about it. Uh, and the last government decided that I mean, this government decided to they were going to reintroduce right to buy. Um, I think they they put it in their in their manifesto, probably more likely as a bargaining chip. So if they were going to go into coalition, it's something they were going to throw away because the Lib Dems were very opposed to it. Um, but then they ended up getting a majority, and that, they have to sort of follow through with it. 
Um, this, they haven't released the ex exact details, but it's either going to be that the president has to have been there for three or five years, mm -hmm. and they're more than likely in London going to receive a maximum of 100,000 subsidy. Um, I think in terms of the implications, I think you saw it in East London, like around, especially like Bethnal Green, Marland kind of areas, which are now, let's face it, quite yuppie. Uh, that's what it does, it's, it's social cleansing. It's a way people move out, and there's no longer social housing in those areas, and it's, put, it's available to the private sector. I think this new round will more than likely do that as well. Yeah, I can't see that as being anything that's gonna help no. the situation, as far as I can see. Um, I think that you know the logic behind it was that uh, right to buy worked jolly well for Margaret Thatcher the first time round, yeah. And so it's like this kind of magic um, fix trick, it. Yeah. fix it thing that they've they've pulled out because, but actually, right to buy and or, or like selling off any state assets can yeah. only like it's a one time thing. Yeah, you can't buy it. Back. You can't yeah. you can't do it again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, the state can try and buy it back and then sell it back. Or, you know. Right, but. That's you know what she did, and uh, which is like kind of trumpeted as like this massive triumph by the conservatives, is like that's a that's a one time windfall. Yeah, yeah. Um, Seems and, to have been pretty disastrous. And, and yeah, and looking at the you know even if you um, take the government of the time at their word that they wanted to create this um, property owning democracy, yeah. which is actually a phrase that Macmillan uh, uses yeah. before Thatcher. Um, and even if, like, you're, you say, okay, we genuinely believe that this is what you wanted to do and that you actually thought that everyone in this country could own, own a home and that would improve their lives. Yeah. Surely, at this point, you've got to, say, like, you've got to be like, well, it hasn't worked, yeah. It, yeah. This, this dream of yours. It's, um, it's yeah. done the, the opposite of what you wanted it to do yeah. or yeah. what you claimed you wanted it to do. Yeah. So either people are being disingenuous yeah. or, myopic. or myopic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she uh, features yeah. quite a lot in our, in our podcast about housing conditions. Her job title was uh, campaigning for um, policy and rights for homeless people um, within crisis. And she talks about how political will and the need for political will when it comes to social housing is really, yeah. really important. Yeah. So here's Catherine. But politicians don't seem to really be getting to grips with it, and that's what we need. We need political leadership and will. Um, everyone sees there's a problem, acknowledges there's a problem, but we need action now. We've been talking about this for years, um, and it needs some real strong leadership um, and a government that's prepared to say, okay, we're going we're gonna to tackle this crisis, because it is, you know, it's not rocket science. Yeah, I guess that got us thinking about why, because we've talked about, you know, in the the slum clearances yeah. and there is a political will at the time to to clear these slums um at the end of the 19th century it feels like we're reaching crisis point now and for something to possibly change yeah and why why aren't why isn't the political class um paying any attention like doing something about this yeah yeah, yeah. so the man of the moment jeremy corbyn yeah first um, thing he brought up in first speech. Thing, exactly yeah. exactly yeah, yeah. Um, so his first um, Prime Minister's Question Time kind of question was um, all about social housing. Yeah. Um, so we've got a little clip of him here. Two and a half thousand people emailed me about the housing crisis in this country. And I asked one from a woman called Marie who says, what does the government intend to do 
about the chronic lack of affordable housing and the extortionate rents charged by some private sector landlords in this country. Prime Minister. So that feels really significant. Absolutely. That it's the first, the first question that he, yeah. that he asks. At prime, uh, yeah, well, he's, I, he's been on my consciousness for a long time because I went to school in Islington. I think it's inevitable. I think it's just too obscene. And I think just pragmatically it's just not sustainable, mm. which is another word they have appropriated. Yeah, uh, um, yeah something's got to change. Yeah. It has to. So as we've been recording this session, Che has been uh, composing, writing something in, in response to this conversation that we've been having uh, here today. I have. Um, yeah. yeah. So... Yeah, we'll just uh, jump right in. Yeah, half with, the with... press, definitely a first draft, as are all human beings. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> every, every life is a first draft. <laughs> Last night I come home and there's a hole in my roof. Sounds kind of silly, but I swear it's the truth. The rain starts to pouring a biblical deluge, and suddenly it's me that's seeking some refuge. My home become a sewer and I make a raft out the door. I'm paddling away, but this has happened before. When developers swoop in and say they're clearing a slum, oligarchs rug their hands and politicians play dumb. And new games is played, but still the same old tricks as they learn to circumvent the section 106. Now people are drowning, no shelter from flood. Homes are more than cement, they're memory and blood. Oh look, there goes old Edna from number 49. Dog paddling hard and wasting no time. She's lived here for donkeys and so have her kids. Now trying to sail in a bin with a lid. My newsagent Jamal and his wife and two daughters escaped from the torture but now is home underwater. So now I look up and I see this ain't rain. This is urine from money that's bringing this pain. This storm of evictions, sorry, I mean decanting, means neighbours fragmenting, a nightmare so frantic. My voice alone ain't all that stentorian and these problems reach back to times old Victorian and it's hard to shine a light and expose the true villains. There's Cameron and Thatcher and Harold Macmillan. The water getting higher looks like drowning's my fate. I wonder what they'll build on my council estate once family neighbours are all flushed down the plug. They say we dysfunction. They say we're just thugs. So who cares where we live? Don't dare talk of rights. You brought this on yourself. Too many kids, urban blight. Look, there's Edna's grandkids clinging on to the drain. What's this in the sky? A developer's crane. But we're drowning, we cried. This shit can't be real. But we can't be heard above the glass and the steel. Now mixed with the water is blood, thick and scarlet. The men supposed to defend us just turned billionaires harlots. A culture of dependency, the attack dogs bark. Get off your fat ass. Make yourself an oligarch. All this spliffing and boozing, dear God, and the twerking. Bootstraps must be pulled up and get yourself working. But libraries closing our spiritual filament. Nonsense, they cry, you're worse than an immigrant. Now lies and hatred in the liquid all blending. Please save my old city from this damn social cleansing. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Nice one. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you, Jay. Well, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks Good. for, yeah. Right. yeah. I learned a lot today and uh, it's really inspiring. And yeah. Good. Thank yeah. you. Here's to pushing it forward. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Let's yeah, let's do this. <laughs> so. I think, yeah, we've got a few thank yous. 
to oh, Che yeah. Walker, first of all, for being um, a brilliant kind of co-host with us today. Very and, great um, pleasure, thank you. Oh, it's great, it's great to have you. Um, to Lydia, who's lent us her, her basement flat. Yes, beautiful. Um, she's very, very helpful, thank you, Lids. To Arts Council England for helping us to put this together. Very important. Um, and also to all of the people that we've spoken yeah. to um, and we've used in our interviews today, um, and to John, our sound guy. Mm, yeah, thank you, nice John. Um, so, yes, yeah, so we've got um, other podcasts coming up and all of the details um, about sort of the upcoming podcast are going to be on our website. Um, that is www.onthebuttontheatre.org. Um, we'll put links to Che's website and, you know, all the, all the bits We'll link everything up. We'll link everything. everything all the links up, um, yeah. yeah, so. See you next time. Hear you next time, or you'll hear us next time. <laughs> We're not very good at signing off, are we? <laughs> Cut. <laughs>